Thank you guys so much for that. Thank you parents for uh, being amazing, being determined, and uh, sacrificial. The list goes on and on because I know now, after having three boys of my own, how, how determined you have to be to continually display that Christ-like example. And sometimes it's really, really difficult, and sometimes it's impossible because of our human nature. And sometimes we erupt and we, we say things and do things that we wish that we could take back. Sometimes it's out of anger. Sometimes it's out of frustration. Sometimes it's out of, sometimes it's out of just because you don't know what else to do. Especially you get a really strong-willed child and a determined child that is very independent and doesn't like instruction, doesn't, doesn't adhere to or receive instruction or discipline. Some children are really easy. Some are really difficult. But like a marriage, you don't have a back door if your marriage is running according to God's word. That's a good word for another sermon, is that many of you are more committed to your children than you are to each other, and that's a sad state, and it's not biblical. How many times have I heard of uh, people staying together just because of the children? That's another sermon for another day. You are to be dedicated to your children, but you are to be just as dedicated, if not even more so, to your husband or to your wife. Some of you may disagree with that. We could go to the Word i got a word today that talks about, it's the, the title of the sermon is In the Midst of Chaos, and I actually, this is not the sermon that I'd prepared for this week. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was uh, joking with Wesley earlier, and Grant was back there. I actually, the Lord, they were actually singing one of the worship songs this morning, the Lord just spoke to my heart, and he said, this, that's not what I want you to do, I want you to do something else, so this sermon is written on my original sermon. So uh, we want to hear what the Lord has to say, right? And the Lord was just speaking to me today, and he said, Brandon, i got a word that I want the people to know, and I've got a word that I want you to know because I'll tell you right now, everything that I just said absolutely applies to my life. Is that I'm, I'm ridiculously busy. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. Is this a place where it's okay to, be, to not be okay? Am I safe here? I'm going to be really honest with you and tell you right now that I'm too busy. I really am. And I want you to pray for me. And I'm not even kidding because I want you to pray for me because I'm tired. And I know a lot of you are too. I'm tired. And a lot of you are just as busy. And at the end of the day, I know that being tired is no excuse for me laying down on my job. And sometimes when I'm dealing with my children, sometimes when I'm dealing with the ones that are harder than the other ones, sometimes I just feel like I don't know what else to do, so I lash out. And I'm not setting a Christ-like example because that's not what Christ does. It's that Christ is loving and he's patient. And when there needs to be discipline, there's discipline. But it's always, it's always censored and it's always mixed with love. And it's always founded on love and peace and gentleness and pushing them back into the fold of love. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if I don't watch myself, what I'm going to do is alienate my own children. And you will do the same thing. Amen? 
You see, what we know from previous sermons and from the word of God is that the fear of man does not breed righteousness, does it? It breeds idolatry. If you come at your children in an angry and harsh manner because they're not doing what you told them to do, you're going to actually turn them away. Ephesians tells us, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. But you are to lead them and love them and pull them in. And that's so hard sometimes. I want to tell you, in a world of chaos, we oftentimes go that direction. What we do is we see a problem. We see an issue. We see something that's wrong in the world. And we try to grab it by the throat. And we try to say, you're going to change. We try to instill government programs that say you can't do this and you can't do that. We try to, we try to lay down the law and we try, to, we try to use force in order to make people act a certain way. You see the Baltimore riots and you see all the chaos in the streets and you see all the, the uproar and, and, the, and the craziness that's happened to innocent people and you see the people coming up out of the oppression, coming up out of the, of the, of the poverty and they're lashing out and the people's going, I don't know what to do i don't know what's going on look at these idiots look at these idiots look at these this person's wrong this person's wrong this is a solution warfare i've seen all kind of people on the facebook to say we need to declare martial law we need to go in and i'm gonna tell you right now i don't know about all that that's not what I, that's not my job but i can tell you that's not the solution i can tell you i know the solution But we need to start this sermon with prayer and the word of God. Amen? Let's pray. As a matter of fact, no, let's don't pray first. Let's read the Bible first. I'm going to have you stand to your feet today in honor of the word of God. And I'll show you why. Well, we're going to be in 1 Timothy, but we moved. We're going to be in Hebrews now. We're going to start in verse 3, and we're, going to, we're only going to read two verses verses chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 4 listen to this he speaking of Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs I'm going to read that one more time. It's very short. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Lord Jesus... This is the word of God on which we stand. This is the word of God that we, that we go to to get the answers of life. This is the word of God that we go to to see the transformation of a destroyed people. This is the word of God that we go to that would guide us and direct us and soften our hearts and make us moldable. God, this is the word of God that we will stand on this morning. If anything else is said that is not here to this word, adhere to this word this morning, I pray that you would cast it out and you would close the ears of the people that hear it. 
God shut the mouth of the one that will not proclaim the word of God. There is nothing else that we can proclaim that would do any good. Motivational speeches don't work. Threats don't work. The word of God is powerful. It's alive. It's active. It's sharp. It cuts down past the marrow. It cuts all the way to the heart. It reaches the sin. It exposes the sin. And it removes the sin as it takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. God, that's what we want this morning. We want a new heart. We want a revived spirit. We want the joy of our salvation to be renewed. We want to see your glory and stand in awe and be transformed by the power of your word. And so we ask you this morning to do that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen. You say, what do the Baltimore riots have anything to do with our children? Didn't really know either until this morning. And he said, look here, this is what I want for you. Anytime you get to a chaotic position, anytime you get into a, an argument or a debate or a conflict, there needs to be resolution of that conflict. And the source of that resolution is the same across the board. If you have resolution of conflict, it's the same foundation for that resolution that is over here. And so where you might be combative with your children, where you, they're not doing what you want them to do, they're not going the direction that you want them to go, you're worried to death, you're overwhelmed with this, with this anxiety, and you're thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you look and you reflect on your own actions and you reflect on your own life and you say, Lord, I've added to this problem. I've created some of this problem. Some of it is their personality and I can't do anything about that. But some of it, God, is because I've not been living the way that I should be living. And I look at my little four-year-old Ezekiel and I look at him sometimes when he snarls up his lip and he goes, and if you think I'm kidding, just ask my wife. When he gets mad, something doesn't go his way. The other ones don't do that. Now, Asher's starting to get his own little personality. And he's, instead of like, he's like, ah! <laughs> but they've got their own personality, got their own will. Who would have thought? I, th I thought when I said, go, son, he would say, yes, father. <laughs> but no. He's like, I tell him to go right, he goes left. I tell him to go left, he goes right. You see, some of that is his own personality, and there's nothing that I can do about that except pray to God and try to learn. I can read, I can study, and I've tried to do that. And you can, you can look at different things, and there are different ways. Shepherding a, a Child's Heart by Tim Shepherd. You need to look, read that book. There are several other resources you can read, and it, it is helpful to know how to approach a strong-willed child versus a very uh, gentle child, a very humble child, a very accepting child. There's different ways, and all that stuff's good. But let me tell you something right now. At the end of the day, how that child grows up and how that child turns out is dependent on the Lord. Now God uses me and I'm to step in and I'm to do everything I can but we cannot beat ourselves to death if our children want to go left and we're telling them to go right. But you do have more influence than you understand. You need to live out a godly life. There is no way in this world you can ever tell your children to go left when you're going right. That's a coward's way out. I've heard many times, many, many times, boy, don't do as I do, do as I say. Uh-uh. If you go here and you're under my authority, I better never hear those words come out of your mouth. You might get slapped. I'm not even kidding. No. I might. I might slap. I don't know. 
At the end of the day, we need to be living for the Lord. We need to be going in the direction that God's called us to go. We need to be living out our faith. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to add to their chaos. We're going to add to all of this. So you still wonder, well, how does this, how does this relate? What are you talking about? Because these small issues here, they get bigger and they get bigger. And they turn into issues like the Baltimore right. All of that stuff up there, it's because someone didn't lead correctly. It's because someone didn't love in the right way. It's because someone did not seek peace it's because someone was selfishly ambitious someone was trying to gain seek gain for themselves someone was partial someone was oppressing and you know the way the things that they're doing it's not right destroying business is not that's not right it's not right but at the end of the day what's happening to them is not right either what's the solution do we declare martial law and come in and just you know get those rubber bullets and just you know, do we do worse than that? What do we do? What do the curfews? What's the curfew going to do? They're burning buildings down. All right, we'll stop burning this building down at 9 o'clock. We're going to go home. What's, what's, what is it? What's the solution? What's the solution at your house? What's the solution in Baltimore? What's the solution in America? What's the solution, period? No matter where you are. What's the solution? Let's go to the Word of God. In the midst of the chaos, the word of God said, he is the radiance of the glory of God and, it, and the exact imprint of his nature. The first thing I want to go to that would relate to this out of these scriptures, out of this text, is that number one, he is. The he is, the, the he is statement here, it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. When we think about radiance, what do we think about, about the radiance of the glory of God? When we think about this radiance, we think about something that is pushing out. He is the radiance of the glory of God, meaning that, that the glory of God is, is stable, it's transcendent, it's not going anywhere. That God is over all, he's in all, he's through all, that God has a standard for us all. God has a way for us to live that not only would not be destructive, but that it would be uplifting. God is God and there is no other. And God is, he is stationary. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? God doesn't move. And so we are a, are a flawed people. We cannot get to God. We cannot move up to God. They've tried that time and time and time and time and time again. And every other religion in the world except for Christianity would have you to believe that you can stair-step your way to God. You can live in a certain way and one day reach enlightenment or reach, you know, karma come against you and it wouldn't be as bad this time and bad this time and eventually you'll be right next to God and you'll be okay. That's what every religion would have you believe, but that's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches that God is stable stationary he's way above us he is light and in him there is no darkness at all but and, and we've already sinned we can't overcome that sin but we need to get back to God so what do we do we need God to radiate and come toward us we need the warmth of God's passion. We need the warmth of God's presence. We need God's forgiveness and his grace and his mercy to come from him to us. And so God said, I know what I'm going to do because of the love that I have for my people. I am going to, I am going to come off of my throne and I am going to go to them. You need, you need the radiance of the sun for anything to grow. Other than that, it's pure chaos and death. Got some of the guys that work for me in here, and we've been doing a lot of landscaping. You see all these plants up here. Let me tell you what will happen to this plant if you put it in a dark room back there and never to shine a light on it again. It will wither away and die. 
The Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He is what we see. He is what we feel. He is what we need to grow. It goes on from there. It says he is the exact imprint of his nature. What this means is, is that there is no difference between Jesus Christ and God. They are one. Now, we do not have time to get into the Trinity and distinctions within the Trinity. What we know from the word of God is, is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all have distinct persons, but they are all one. Don't have time to debate that this morning. What we know here is that what Jesus Christ is saying very clearly is that I am God. Or rather what Paul or whoever you believe the author of Hebrews is, is writing that Jesus Christ is God. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is going to lead into what I'm telling you is the solution to the chaotic problems, not just in the U.S., not just in your home, but in the world. You see, there is but one God. Jesus Christ is that radiance of his glory that is being displayed for all of us to see. It is being displayed. It is, it is coming forward for all of us to feel. We feel the warmth on our skin. And though we're in a dark, dark world, though we're in a cold and lonely place, we feel these rays of wonderful sunshine beaming in from the sun. And we start to awaken. We start to come alive. We start to come out of the dirt because Jesus Christ has died on the cross. And what he has done has given us life. And without him, there is nothing but death. And this is not the work of a man. This is not the work of just a good prophet. This is not the work of just a good teacher. But he is the exact imprint of God himself. He is God that has come down out of heaven into this world to say, I want this thing to grow. So you see where we're going here. What we're looking at is that everything around us is starting to crumble. It's starting to wither away and die. But what Jesus Christ is saying is that I am the one that revives and I am the one that brings to life. What do we want to see in Baltimore? What do we want to see in our houses? We want to interact with our kids in such a way that we do what Jesus does. The word Christian means little Christ. We want to do what Christ does. And what we want to do is we want to shine the light in our home so that our children grow up into the Lord. When darkness is all in our heart and darkness is all that we know and we're always struggling with our own problems and we're all in, always internalizing the things that are going on in our life and we're always looking and we're going, oh, woe is me, woe is me. And I see the Facebook posts and I feel it in my own soul and I say, even to you this morning, pray for me because I'm tired. You know why I ask you to pray for me? Because I'm tired. And at the end of the day, I know that I can't be that way. I can't turn inward. I can't, I can't hang my head. I can't walk low. I can't, I can't give up. I can't, I can't do any of those things because people need me. Are you going to be a man and are you going to look to Christ and be lifted up and suffer well? Are you going to be a woman of God that says, in the darkness, I will still shine the light? You see, we need to be praying for one another. We need to be feeling his glorious rays. How much time have we spent in the word this week? How much time have we, been, have we spent basking in the sun? So I said a Facebook post and, oh, woe is me. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. Where's all my friends at? Where's all this? Where's, why does this have to happen to me? Why is it woe is me? And life is tough sometimes, and I get that. Life is hard sometimes, and sometimes we just need to, to just find a friend who's strong enough and let them carry a little bit of the load with us. I get that. But what Jesus Christ is saying is, is that, look, I'm going to carry you through the darkness. And if you would just understand, I, the Lord laid this verse on me the other day. And it just stuck to my head like glue. 
Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but those that trust in the Lord are safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but those that trust in the Lord are safe. If you only understood who Christ was, if you only understood what he's done, if you only understood your eternal destination, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, then you wouldn't be worried about any of this, and neither would I. Because the truth of the matter is, is that there's victory in Jesus that has already been won. So we see that Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He is, the, he is the essence that is coming out. He is the God that is coming down out of heaven that we would, that we would feel him and see him and touch him. And that it would be a, a transforming of us, the exact imprint of his nature. He is God come in the flesh. And listen to this next part right here. It says that, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see, at the end of the day, this is what we need. You see, everything is wanting to crumble and fall apart. This is what I don't understand. I don't have time to get into it, but this is what I don't understand about the theory of evolution. You see, the law of thermodynamics says that you, there must be work done in order for there to be growth and in order for there to be progress, work must be done. But what evolution would say is that there was no work done and that there's growth happening out of it and everything is evolving and gaining speed. But that's not what science tells us. That's not what the laws of thermodynamics tell us. It says everything is slowing down and crumbling, which is what the Bible tells us. Is that death has come into the world. Sin has come into the world. And since sin has come into the world, everything is falling apart around you. Everything is breaking down. Who, who here has noticed that to be true? Everything is falling apart around you. Your transmission last week, your ball joints this week, you know. Titus comes in this morning and he throws his foot up on the table and he's like, look. <laughs> he's got a crack on the bottom of his toe. I'm like, doggone sin. <laughs> you know, everything's falling apart around us. Everything's crumbling around us. But the word of God here says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So what is it then? See, science can't explain it. Let me take that by. It's not science that can't explain it. It's these, and I don't want to be really mean. It's these people who think that they know everything about everything. Science doesn't conflict with the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's right in line. You got to go against science to believe in evolution. You want to debate about that afterwards, let me know. Don't mind. I don't mind. At the end of the day, science backs the Bible up. All right? It does because the Bible is true in every way. Every way. So what we're looking at is, okay, we say, well, everything's breaking down around us and there's all these seemingly theories well how does this hold together and how does the atom hold together when it's wanting to come apart what's going on about I don't understand how this let me tell you Jesus word everything's wanting to fly apart and explode see let that listen let me you want some encouragement this morning you want some encouragement say amen, amen. you want some encouragement say amen. amen your wife your life could be way worse and your wife could be way worse than what I about said <laughs> but praise the Lord mine's the best Hallelujah and amen. But your life could be so much worse. You say, well, that's very encouraging. No, it really is. 
You see, everything's wanting to break down and fall apart. Everything's wanting to shatter. This wanting to spontaneously combust. I don't really know that. I just made that up. I was kidding. But it really is wanting to fall apart right now. Everything's wanting to fall apart in this room. What's holding it together? And I say that because atoms, they actually have the same charges deep down and they want to they come together and scientists are trying to figure out what is it, you know? And when I was in college, I, I thought this was so fascinating. I didn't take too many science classes because I'm stupid, but they, I had this one and the professor was such a genius and he said, you know, it, it, it has this force and this wanting to come apart. It's wanting to fight its way apart and all the scientists can't figure out what's holding that thing together. What's holding it together? And so they, they come up with this thing and they just, they don't have any idea but what they say, well, it's atomic force. It's atomic force, that's why. Well, what's atomic force? It's what holds it together. <laughs> what holds it together, atomic force? What's atomic force? It's what holds it together. And so there's really no explanation for it, but we know. Amen. But we know. We're not guessing. It says right there, Hebrews chapter one. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see the kind of God you serve? He says, well, everything's wanting to fly apart, and we're thinking we're going to fly apart. We're thinking our kids are going to fly apart. We're thinking America's going to fly apart. And you know, it may. If it takes a right turn out of God's word. Because it says very clearly that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, I want to draw out just a couple of things right there. And I actually, and I didn't, you know, the Lord is... He does what he does. In First, Tim, in First Timothy, there was something real, and it just kept jumping out at me when I was reading and studying First Timothy. I didn't know why, but I think I realized why after God did what he did this morning. In First Timothy chapter 12, I was going to preach through 12 through 17, but I switched. But there was still something that kept jumping out at me in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. In First Timothy chapter... 1 verse 12 it says I thank him who has given me strength now uh, this has given me strength this is actually one word in the Greek now I'm not going to do a Greek lesson this morning but this was fascinating to me has given me strength all this is one word it's in uh, I can try to say it for you nobody really knows how to say it but the word is in dunamis atei Dunamasotai, something like that. At the end of the day, there's one root word in there that I want you to see. Some of you might know this because it's been used a lot. What is the word, what is the Greek word for power? Dunamis. Dynamis. Dunamis. What, what does that make you think of? Dynamis. Dynamite. It's where we get our English word. It's actually Latin and then English. It's where we get our word dynamite, which means power. Okay? So the word here used has strengthened me is in dunamosanti, in dunamosanti. That'd be, that'd be pretty close. You see the dunamis in the middle, the dynamis in the middle. And the reason it kept jumping out at me, I think, is that what this actually, and this is a good translation, there's nothing wrong with it, but another way to hear this would be, I thank him who, it would be from here to here, who has granted me power, who has 
who has empowered me, who has placed power inside of me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. So what Paul is saying is, I'm thankful that he put this power inside of me and he, and he judged me faithful. He looked and he saw my faith and he said, he's good, he's mine, he's faithful. So he put this power in me, he judged me faithful, then he appointed me to his service. He put me to work. And he said, what does that got to do with anything? I want to show you here. Go back to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And what we see here is he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. By the word of his power. So we have the same root in many different places. And actually the root word to miracle. And this just jumped out at me. And I didn't even know this. And I knew the other two. But it is, do, let me get it right, dunamessin. Dunamessin. So a miracle is a display of God's power. Now keep up. I know this is getting a little weird. We're about to draw it together right here. You still with me? All right. So dunamis is power. The in dunamis ten or whatever is that he has put power in me. He has, he has empowered me. He has strengthened me. He has put this power inside. And then dunamessin is actually Greek for miracle, a display of God's power. So what we see here is that Jesus Christ is upholding the universe by the word of his power. And we see Paul saying, and there's many other instances in the New Testament, but what we see Paul saying is that what Jesus Christ did within me is that he placed his power inside of me through faith, he judged me faithful, he put this power inside of me, and then he put me to work. So how does Christ uphold the universe? By the word of his power, which is the transformation of your soul, who then he puts to work in the world. To be what? A proclaimer of the power of the word of God. Do you see this connection here? Do you see where I'm going with this? You, my friend are a miracle. You are a display of the power of God. You are a miracle. God's power, God's word has, has come inside of you and the power of God's word has done a miracle within you where you were falling apart and breaking down and you could not last. God's word has come in. It's breathed life. We know Ezekiel chapter 26 and 27. We know that God breathed life, prophesied to the breath and the breath came and, and, and the bones came together and there was a shaking of the bones. We know that this word of God has been powerful inside of you, right? Now some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then you don't know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something right now. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to know what I'm talking about. Because if you need to know what I'm talking about, then you need to know what I'm talking about. And if you would come to find out what I'm talking about, then you might have that power that would come inside of you and you would all of a sudden go, <gasps> for the first time ever. You see, it is the power of God to life. And I want to tell you, what I see in Baltimore is death. What I see in some of our homes is death. The way I speak to my children sometimes is death. I'm not staying faithful to the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm vomiting out death out of my mouth because of my own frustrations and sad little life. I get frustrated at work, so I yell at my kids, shame on me. Smack me in the face. Hey, no, that, that kid ain't done nothing to you. Kid ain't done nothing to me. It's not the power of God coming out of you to salvation. It's death coming out of your mouth to light a fire that will burn a whole forest down. Book of James. Thanks, Mick. At the end of the day, 
The word of God goes out. You want to know what the solution to the Baltimore riots are and to our children going astray? If there's any solution, it's the word of God. You're not going to solve it with government-issued funds and martial law or programs or none of, I mean, you know, are, are some of those things good? Yeah, maybe, sure. I don't know. I'm not a politician. Never do I want to be. Do I think that we need to be involved with, with politics? Yeah, sure. I think that there's some crazy things going on. We need good Christian men and women in those places, absolutely. But do I think that's ever going to fix the problem? No. Nope. At the end of the day, we need the word of God spoken by those walking miracles. You see how personal this makes this? No longer can you stand back and say, retards. Who's going to burn down the grocery store? Where are you going to get your groceries? Get up out of your seat. Get up off of your tail and go tell somebody about Jesus. The world is in desperate need for you to stop being so doggone lazy. And me too. You know why I've been so tired? I'm going to smack myself right in the face. You know why I've been so tired? Because I have been working so hard in my business trying to grow it that I haven't had the time that I needed to put into my own personal relationship with God. I'm just being honest with you. You know, so you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You got to have that cape flapping in the wind. No. I get distracted sometimes too. And sometimes, you know, they say, well, your ox is in the ditch, right? <laughs> no. Is your spiritual ox in the ditch? Is your Christ relationship, is your spiritual connection, your passion, is it in the ditch? Is mine. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and by his, he upholds the universe by the word of his mouth, by the word of his power. And the last part of that right there, I want you to, I want you to see this because it's very important. It says, after making, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, let me tell you what this, and this caps it off just beautifully. <clears throat> because what this tells me is that Jesus Christ is God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint. He is God. Okay, and the way, and he is the one upholding the universe, and the way that he is upholding the universe is by the word of his power. That word of his power, that dunamis, that power, is actually transferred inside of you, and it is what wakes you up from death to life. You, you cannot breathe until this power comes in and does a transformation. The word of God is many, I love, you see, biblical theology, I really, 
I like. If you follow the Word of God and you see all the different things, there's so many word pictures in there of what the Word of God does. It, it takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. It's like a scalpel. It, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It does surgery on you. The Word of God changes you. That's just the bottom line. It's powerful for salvation. It changes you. You want to be changed? The Word of God. You want to be saved? The Word of God. You want to be a man? The Word of God. You want to be a woman? The Word of God. Not because you read it and do exactly what it says, but you read it and it breaks you down and puts you back together like you should be. So the word of God is how he upholds the universe, right? And he does that through me and through you because he needs a mouthpiece. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, okay? We need God. God doesn't need, but God desires to let you be a part of what he is doing. God is sovereign. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, but maybe he sovereignly planned for you to do that. So you need to do what God is calling you to do and go you therefore into the world, okay? Now, what I want to tell you is number three is that it does not depend on you. So God is desiring to use you, but it's not dependent on you. God wants to let you involved, but he does not need for you to be involved. God is going to do what God is going to do. I would say to you, the altar will be opened here in just a minute. And if I were you, I would come and plead with the Lord to let me be a part. Because there's no other way for you to get fulfilled except doing what you were made to do. That's the definition of fulfilled. You see, at the end of the day, God's not worried. You see, we're looking at it, we're going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I read an article the other day, uh, church leaders, I, uh, I follow church leader, it's this magazine slash they do blog posts and Facebook posts and all this kind of stuff, and it's the church leaders uh, blog or magazine, whatever you want to call it, and they wrote this article that was talking about the demise of the church. And they said that as soon as homosexuality and the marriage of, or same-sex marriage, as soon as it becomes illegal, your church is going to die. And the reasoning behind that was, was that as soon as uh, same-sex marriage is legalized, then churches will be forced to perform same-sex marriage. And if they refuse to do same-sex marriage weddings, then their 501c3 or their uh, tax-exempt status would be pulled and no one can afford to pay their property taxes, so every church is going to close its doors. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. His church has been around for all these thousands of years and a political passing of a law is going to destroy the church? Really? If same-sex marriage comes in, we will have to say we cannot. If, just in case you're wondering where we stood on that, I will not perform a same-sex marriage. I didn't know if anybody was confused on that. I, you know, I'm not. Now, I have, you know, friends who are homosexuals. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, saying, we need to stop. I'm not, you know, that's not my, that's not my, my thing. But I'm, I'm going to stick to the word of God. I'm not going to do same-sex marriages. But let me tell you this. The, reason, the whole reason I brought that up is that God's not worried about that. Now, God desires for that to be different. When I say God's not worried about that, I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't want us to, 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 to be a part of that solution, to, to be a part of that peace, to be a part of that process, to you know, bring our nation back in line with biblical principles. I'm not saying he's not worried about it in that way. What I mean is, is that God doesn't think that, the, that the, the survival of the church or the kingdom of God hinges on same-sex marriage laws. Let me show you where I get that out of these scriptures. 
because we're not going to start talking about that because same-sex marriage, that's not what this sermon's about. What, I, what I'm talking about is you just look at the chaos. You look at the chaos in your home. You look at the chaos in Baltimore. You look at the chaos at Myrtle Beach. You want to see some chaos? Go to Myrtle Beach for the weekend. You just look at the chaos everywhere around, okay? God's not rubbing his hands going, oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? I don't know. Are they going to make it? Hold, you know, please. Who's he going to pray to? No. The text says here, he says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. God did the word that needed to be done. Jesus Christ came down out of heaven as he radiated the glory of God down onto this earth. He, he, He became a man. He was incarnate, God in the flesh, He did what needed to be done. He was a miracle walking. He was absolutely murdered and horrifically abused. He laid down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life to save his people. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame. He did what needed to be done. He went into the grave. He went into the ground. He went into the tomb. And three days later, he rose, conquering death, conquering hell, conquering Satan, defending and defeating death forevermore and you know what he did after that he took a seat he took a seat now to someone who is really extremely concerned do they sit back and relax or do they listen guys it is finished it is finished The fear of man lays a snare. But those who trust in the Lord are safe. As we all stand to our feet, a couple of questions as you consider your relationship with God and your position right now. I want to tell you right now, you know, none of us, including myself, have any idea of the potential life-changing power that God has instilled in us if we've been born again washed in the blood guys you have no idea let me just let me just for just a second see I think that we think that that's for somebody else or you know that you know maybe one day I'll do this or that or you know that person at work I'm waiting on so-and-so to talk to them I know they're a Christian so maybe they'll get to it I'm just living my life I'm just doing this let me tell you something right now somebody Somebody had to speak to Billy Graham about Jesus Christ. Someone had to, the first time, present the gospel to John Piper. Someone at some point had to reach out to the spiritual greats and the spiritual giants of our day, of yesterday, of yesteryear. Someone had to reach out to them. Someone had to say, do you know Jesus? Someone had to sit down and have coffee with them and say, are you okay? I'm worried about you. Are you all right? And just listen to them and listen to them until they looked and they say, what's the difference in you? How, how are you not crumbling? I see the circumstances you're in. They're kind of like mine. Why are you not crumbling? And Dusty says, there's a power that holds me together. You want a door for the gospel? Love someone while you're being attacked. 
You want to you bring order to the chaos? You want to be a part of bringing order to the chaos in your home, in your city? You know what Baltimore needs? It doesn't need someone. Now, what, I'm, what I don't mean is it doesn't need somebody going up there and beating them in the face with Bibles. You sinner. No. It needs someone to go and sit down and go into the ghettos and go into the slums. We've got ghettos and slums in Landrum. We need somebody to go into the trailer parks and go into the apartment complexes. You know, I was talking to some guys the other day about this exact same very thing. And we said, you know, we've got, we've got about four or five streets that are poverty-stricken. We've got a few apartment complexes that are poverty-stricken. We've got a couple of roads that are oppressed. And nobody goes down those roads. Do you? Do you? I'm, I'm not asking, what has Landrum Police done? What has the mayor done? What has the city administrator done? I'm not asking that. I'm asking, what have you done? Where have you gone? Do you even see the poverty here? Do I even see the poverty here? Do I even realize there are hungry kids within two miles of this church? You say, well, I'm broke myself. You're not that broke. No, you're not that broke. Not as broke as you try to pretend. You bought those cigarettes and those Red Bulls and those Nikes. You're not that broke. The power of transformation is in the word of the Lord. And I'm not telling you you got to go spend $5,000. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, when you see an opportunity and the Lord pricks your heart and he, and he moves you, like when I was just talking about the apartments just now, somebody in this room said, well, I could probably do that. Would you raise your hand even right now? There was one right there. He said, I could, I could probably do that. There's one right there. What's keeping you from doing that? There's, a other, there's others in here too. Hey, look, you want an opportunity to shine the light and even listen if Christian means little Christ what this means for you is when Christ does does his work inside of you and there's that there's that transformation that power it, it, it becomes a power inside of you and you become the tabernacle you become that that vessel that carries the ark of the covenant you become that vessel that carries the presence of the Lord. I heard a guy speaking the other day and he said, everybody's wondering, how can I be a change? How, you know, how can this person change? What, what can this person do to change? What do I need to do to change them? You know what? You are the change. You are the change. What happens when the presence of God walks into the room? What happens when, the, when they took the Ark of the Covenant to battle with them? What happened? They won the victory. What happens when the presence of the Lord is on you? What happens when the presence of the Lord goes with you? There's victory. What happens when the presence of the Lord and the power of the gospel goes into a dark room? It's lit up. Now you'll have some turn and walk away because like roaches, they scatter. But you'll have that one that says, oh my goodness. I am pleading with you this morning to receive Christ and the power that he offers. And if you've already done that, I'm pleading with you to get up out of your chair and to go do something. To be Christ in a dark world. Hearts will be exploding all around you. Who will come? The altar is open for those of you who would like to repent. The altar is open for those of you who have held out and you've put all of your time and energy somewhere, but it wasn't in the work of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Your salvation or someone else's. Will you carry that glory 
to someone in need. The altar is open. Do what God is calling you to do.